Dr. Matthew Castro here at Central Church in Kyreville, Tennessee. I'm the adult ministries pastor. You are listening to the Church and Politics Equip class. It meets on Wednesday night at 6.15 p.m. in room 235. This is lesson three. What is an institution? So we're, uh, we're going to be talking about what is... Let me pray first. I'm already excited about jumping into this. I forgot to pray. Let me pray. Uh, are there any prayer requests? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, uh, we just prayed, but it doesn't hurt to pray again. My cousin's on the way to Mayo Clinic. He's got uh, stage three bile duct. Okay. Get, say, what's his name? Gary. Gary. Okay. Anything else? While we're on politics, <laughs> pray for the nation. We're in a heap of trouble. Pray for the nation. Very good. Thank you. All right, let me pray for us, and then we'll get started. Uh, Dear Lord, we are thankful for this opportunity to to be together. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would guide us as we try to think biblically about everything. Uh, Lord, we we want to be biblical in our understanding of of politics and understanding the church, Lord. And Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would give all of us um, opportunities, Lord, to, uh, to, to speak openly about um, our, our Savior and Lord, our King, that there is a God, there is a Lord, and He is Jesus Christ. And Lord, we pray that you would provide us opportunities to proclaim that, to declare that. And Lord, we pray that uh, more and more people in our community would um, worship the true King and true Lord. Uh, Lord, we, we pray for, for Gary, uh, Vicky's friend. Lord, we pray that he, see for his health, Lord, and pray the Lord, we know that you're with him. We pray that you would encourage him. If he's not a follower of Christ, Lord, we pray that you would save him. We pray for our nation. We pray for our government officials. Uh, Lord, we pray for those who are running for uh, public office. Lord, we, we pray, Lord, that they would understand that the state, the government, is an institution, Lord, that you have provided uh, into your world. Um, and, Lord, we pray that they would recognize the true, the true Lord, the true, the true, the true King, um, they would follow uh, him, and they would uh, work to uh, protect uh, and provide security for people, Lord. Uh, we do pray that in America that we would continue to have freedom of religion, Lord, that we would continue to be able to worship you freely, that we would able to be able to um, publicly share about uh, our, our faith in you and, and, and encourage and persuade people to trust in you for the forgiveness of their sins, Lord. We love you, Lord, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so um, we're going to talk about what is an institution. Um, Central is an institution. The church is an institution. We're going to talk about how, why, how a church is an institution. Obviously, the government is an institution. Uh, our local government is an institution. Our local Kyreville government is an institution. Our school system is an institution. There's institutions all around us. And so we're going to talk about what is an institution uh, I would say right now we live in a very deinstitutionalized kind of world. There's a there's kind of a fever for for kind of rejecting institutions, uh, an overemphasis on kind of um, loose associations, um, and a rejection of 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 institutions because there's a belief that institutions are kind of cold. Uh, institutions are impersonal. They're uh, full of bureaucracies. Uh, we even say that institutions are full of politics, don't, don't we? I don't really like that institution. It's too political, right? It's just too cold. It's too impersonal. There's too much bureaucracy. There's too much red tape. Anyone ever had that? Who's been a part of a, of a big institution? Anyone been in the U.S. military? It's a big institution, isn't it? There's a code of conduct. There's a bureaucracy. There's a budget. There's a lot of different layers to that institution. Uh, what other, other institutions? Right, it's an institution, right? Uh, it has a hierarchy. It has a, a way of a rules and practices that you have to follow. It has, an, it has an authorized authority that everyone has to fall under. What are some other examples of institutions that maybe some of you have been a part of? Hospital system. Hospital system. Okay, that's an institution. Marriage. Marriage. That is an institution. You're right. It is an institution. It's very good. Any other examples? Who? who uh, anyone want to share what companies they work for? 
Um, I worked at International Paper. Okay. That's an institution. That's an institution, yes. Schools, FedEx. FedEx, yes. Anyone else? Home Depot. Home Depot. United Technology, but it's now uh, Raytheon Technology. Okay. Yeah. So there's institutions. We're a part of institutions. There are some things we don't like about the institution that we're a part of. Um, but institutions have been a part of our world for since, I mean, marriage was in the beginning, right? Uh, I think someone said that the, uh, the British government is this long-lasting institution. I think the British government uh, has been around for um, almost 1,000 years. Um, we have universities that have been around for a long period of time. Um, we have long-lasting institutions. Uh, institutions, I see some of our old institutions, our large institutions, they don't reform and change easily, do they? And when you're a part of that machine, it's, it's, it's frustrating because you know that it's big and large and old and it's hard to change, right? It's hard to reform. Um, and so there's kind of a rejection of institutions, right? I don't want to work for an institution. I don't want to be a part of this massive bureaucracy or this massive machine. So you, you reject the institution. You start something new, right? You're a part of a big corporation or a company. You leave that company and you start your own company, right? You start your own institution, right? You're something that's different, something that's different than what you, what you came from. And the reason why people reject institutions is because they prefer community. They prefer something that's more relational, more relatable, something where it's not so, so structured, right? We don't like, yes, sir? Well, let me give you an example of uh, an institution that was very much needed, and that was the mental institutions in this country. Yes. So then comes along the ACLU and others, the do-gooders, and they said, well, you've you, you got to turn those people loose, and they did. Now look at all the tent cities you got around this, this country now. So they're, they're just out there. They cannot take care of themselves. So you see the rejection of institutions because they're seen as cold and impersonal, and they're seen as... as it's actually not helpful for people, but yet what happens is, is that if you're outside the institution and you're completely f independent, you're not cared for potentially, you're not, provided, you're not provided the needs that you may, may need. I think one of the issues in the church today, there's actually a rejection of institutions in the church. Uh, you have people who go, I don't want to be a part of institutionalized religion, right? I'm going to be a Christian on my own, right? I'm going to I'm going to worship Jesus in my home, right? Or I'm going to do my own thing. It's me and my relationship with God, and I'm going to reject the organized church. And so you get a lot of, because again, you're about relationships. So maybe you start a little Bible study with some friends, but you're not a part of the institutional church, right? You're not a part of the organized church. Uh, you want community, you want relationships, you want spiritual fellowship, you want togetherness, but you don't want the structure, Right? You don't want the rules. You don't want the obligations. You don't want the organized practices. And so you reject that. Uh, there are a lot of Christian books out there in the last several years about organic community or the, the organic church, or which basically spins this idea of rejecting the institutional church and, and, and embracing something far more individualized or autonomous. Something that a few of you gather and you create your own kind of church. Anyone been a part of this? Yes, sir. Would that be the Amish? Aren't they? I mean, I would say they're fairly. They have a. They have a, a, an understanding of of a practice. They have a very strong culture and practice about doing things. They reject the government and they're more. They're more pass. They're more um, pacifists, right? They reject like being a part of the army or being a part of a war. Uh, so I wouldn't say that there want a lot of the house church movement, if anyone been part of a house church movement or familiar with house church movements, they're not all this way, but many of them can be where they're rejecting the institutional church, they're rejecting organized Christianity and basically embracing something that they're creating on their own. And so you see this going on in our societies, not just in the church, but also in society of rejecting institutions, not wanting to be a part of these cold, and personal and bureaucratical institutions or organizations. And so what happens within the church 
When you have that type of system or that kind of looseness, there's an idea of belonging before believing, right? Basically, what, the, what these groups do is like, we'll let anyone come in. We're not going to give them any type of, of rules or obligations. They don't, we're not going to ask them to sign anything or do anything. We just want to create a culture that people can just come into, that people are just in relationships, and the view is, is that scripturally, it's not that we've rejected God or sinned against God. The biggest issue is that there's a break in relationship. So even the view of, of Christ's work on the cross is primarily and only about reconciliation. Our relationship with God has been divided. Our relationship with one another has been divided. And we need to have community being to be brought back together. We need to have unity with God and unity, unity with others. It's a relational issue, not a lordship issue. Because again, there's a rejection of institutions. There's a rejection of rules and obligations and practices. All that truly matters is, is that I have a relationship with God and Jesus mends that relationship, which is true and good, but there's more going on than simply a relational divide. There's more going on than that. And so... Primarily, you see this within our, within our church society and also in the, the larger society of, again, rejecting institutions, rejecting authority. There is no such thing as authority. I am my own authority. I don't even reject governmental authority. And so there is, again, this, this, this rejection of, of institutions. Uh, we see in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Can somebody read that? Uh, it's the uh, Shema. Deuteronomy chapter 6, um, verse 4. Can someone read 4 through 9 of Deuteronomy 6? <coughs> These are the ordinances and the judgments the Lord commanded the children of Israel in the desert when they came from the land of Egypt. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You shall love the Lord your God from your whole heart, from your whole soul, from your whole power. So these words I command you today shall be in your heart and in your soul. Uh, keep reading verse 7 through 9. Oh, sorry. That's okay. Teach them to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and it shall be immovable before your eyes. And you shall wipe them on the doorposts of your houses and on your gates. So what do you see there in that passage? Do you see an authority? Yeah. Clearly directed. The Lord, your God. And what else do you see? You see rules. You see commands. The issue that's, being, that's happening with, with, when we talk about institutions and the rejection and deinstitutionalization that's happening is a rejection of clear authority and therefore not following clear directives and commands. In the scripture, they are told that there is a God, he is the Lord, he is the authority, and he then directs them how they should live. It's not like he's saying, okay, I'm your God, and we have a relationship, and that's it. There's far more to it than that. They do have a relationship, but God's the one that dictates what that relationship is, right? They don't get to dictate what the relationship is. They don't get to dictate what they should do to honor that authority. They are dictated to who is the God, what the relationship is, and how they ought to live accordingly. Um, and so we see an institution being established here. So see in Deuteronomy 6. This is the people of Israel. God is the king. God is the Lord. And they have to do what he tells them to do, right? Um, so when we think about institutions, there's a, an understanding of boundaries. There's a bounded set. I think in your notes you have bounded set and centered set. A bounded set is static it's, it's institutional. There's an understanding of how to be a part of the organization. There's standards. There's norms of how you're supposed to go about being a part of this institution. There's a boundary. There are rules by which are, you, you have to follow to be a part of this, this community or this institution. 
a center set is kind of what we're talking about with this deinstitutionalization. It's about love. It's about inviting. It's about embracing. It's about growing. It's inclusive. There is no boundaries. They're not defined. They're not clear. Okay? They're, the authority is very loose or no authority at all. And there is no rules. All that is being said is come. Just be a part. Just be a part. Just, just belong. Be a part of this group. Just come when you can. Come when you want. Nothing's going to be asked of you. Nothing's going to be accept, expected of you. There's nothing you have to agree upon. There's nothing you have to sign. There's nothing you have to, there is no obligations. There's nothing you have to pay. There's nothing that you're being asked to do at all, and therefore there's no authority by which you have to follow. You see the issue with that? And that was clearly all that was being, and you see a lot of churches, right, that very much, that they don't have membership in the church. They just want people to come, and they're asking very little of the people. The problem, as we'll discover, is, well, how do you know, how do, who, who do we know is a part of this? And, and, and who is the authority? Are they the authority, or is God the authority? Is God's word the authority? You see the confusion and the chaos that that will bring? So we understand that there are institutions. We have a governmental institution. We have uh, the church is an institution. Um, but as I've said, we're actually as kind of this, these other groups politically that I would say are anti-institutional. Uh, if someone give me an example, if you've read the news in the last few years, what's a group that's not a governmental entity that is fighting against the governmental institution or speaking against it? Yes, there you go. Black Lives Matter, LGBTQ plus groups, ACLU, feminist groups. These are, these are groups that are informal, right? And they're, they are part of the political activity, but they're informal, right? They're these kind of loose, independent groups that do have influence, right? But they're, they're anti-institutional, right? They're saying that the institution is corrupt and that they're then kind of striking uh, this institution. There are probably other interest groups that we could probably think of that have influence and are part of the political activity, but they're in some ways anti-institutional, right? The poor boys or whatever it was. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, they have, I mean, they're a part of the political activity, but they're anti-institutional, yes. So are there like degrees? Because both my parents were part of an established religion. Mm -hmm. When I started going to a non-denominational church, they felt the same way. So I guess it's a de degrees of it. Sure, sure. But I think as we'll discover, though, especially when it comes to the church, is that there has to be a clear understanding f to the people that there is an authority and there's something being asked of them, right? And I think the issue with when we talk about the church especially is when they kind of flirt with this, well, we're not an institution. We're not going to ask anyone to do anything. And we're not actually going to draw people to the true authority, which is Christ and his word. Um, so political activity is an ag aggregation of all these self-interest actions working themselves out through the institutions of the state. So there's a lot of political activity going on around us. Those are part of uh, firm and strong and old and established institutions. There are other kind of more loose institutions or anti-institutions that are part of this political activity. Um, and we have different institutions and actors shaping one another, right? So if you are a part of an institution, as an actor in that institution, you are helping shape it, right? As citizens of America, we are actually citizens that are actually helping shape that institution and are shaped by it, right? We are not a part of the French government, right? We're not French citizens, so we don't influence the French government, and they don't influence us, right? Uh, we are American citizens. We're a part of that institution, and they, that does shape us. As, it shapes our identity, but it also, as a group, we also help shape it. So institutions do matter. They do matter. Uh, that's the, probably the issue going on. There's this idea that the institutions should die and go away, but they do matter. Like, they're very powerful. They're very influential, some more than others. Uh, because they, they have a strong understanding of, 
of an authority, and they also understand that there's rules and practices by which to follow. And by that, they do tend to influence the political activity around us. Um, so institutions empower and constrain actors differently and make them more or less capable of acting according to prescribed rules or uh, of appropriateness. Institutions are also reinforced by third parties in enforcing rules and sanctioning noncompliance. So basically, institutions tell us how to act. Interesting enough, the American government, the, American, the, the nation of America does influence how we act. It does. The institution that you're a part of, the church, does affect how you act. The companies that you've worked for, those institutions have impacted you. How, if y'all, if those have been in the military, how has that institution impacted you? For positively or negatively? Messed up your back. What do you say? Messed up. Screwed up his back. What other What other ways have the institutions that you've been a part of affected you and shaped you? Made my life better. And made what? What, what institution are you referring to? What institution are you referring to that made your life better? I spent thirty eight years in the military, so I think it shaped my life. Yeah. About everything. Yeah. How responsible. Uh, Marriage, kids, uh, how the world was. I saw the world. And yeah. I, I knew how other parts of the world was, and I was lucky that I lived in America. So how did being a part of the military that long affect the way you act? I, I was a more disciplined person. Okay. So that institution gave you a discipline that you may not have had if you weren't a part of the military. The thing about the military, I was in the military, it gives you structure. Gives you structure. And you, and you know, yeah, get up at a certain time. You know, all these different things you got to do, but it puts structure in. Particularly when you're young, and you're kind of all, you know, all over the board. It gives you structure and it helps out a lot. How has being a part of that institution, how, does it, how did it give you opportunities to act? What did it do for you? How did it, did it train, what did it train you to do? Okay. I mean, it really, it, and, you know, someone said, be somewhere at a certain time, I was there. Yeah. 15 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when you're in the military, you always show up. Depending on where you're sent, you see how the other world lives. Yeah. And that's important mm-hmm. to see how good we have it. Yeah. Or being able to help people in certain situations. So it gives you an opportunity to help, or it gives you an opportunity to, to build something or to protect something. Yes, Dewey? Well, the, the big thing, I think, is you learn to live with 40 or 50 or 100 other people at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, what did that discipline, like, what did it help you do? I mean, you, you tell you go, like, you're in one place, and then a year later, you're all the way over another part of the country. you got to re-establish all another, you know, friendships and all that kind of stuff. So it gets you where you have to adapt. Mm-hmm. You learn how to adapt. Yeah. It teaches you that. I went to base training with a guy who had never been out of Brooklyn, New York. Oh, really? And he thought the whole world was like Brooklyn, New York. When he got to San Antonio, Texas, and he found out that there was something other than Brooklyn. <laughs> That's right. So he but saw. He got to see a wide world. He got to yeah. See, and he, he woke up. And if he wasn't a part of that institution, he may not have saw anything he, outside he may Brooklyn. Still be in Brooklyn. He may still be in Brooklyn. They're right. Yes. Yes, sir. actually can be friends with forever. I was in the Army uh, at Fort Bliss, Texas, and uh, I was probably going a little bit astray out there in the desert and everything, but I was going to school, and I wasn't going to church, and uh, this guy, John O'Master, I don't remember his name, said, well, you know, I go to church down here at Temple Baptist, why don't you come go with me? So I did. We, we started a relationship I got out of the Army three years later, and I kind of lost contact with him. But about 10 years ago, Facebook, I'm looking at Facebook, and I said, I wonder if I can find John. So I put John's name in, and sure enough, there's John, six foot three. And uh, I, I just left him a message, you know, are you the same John that I was in the Army with at Temple Baptist Church? 
six months later, <laughs> I got a message from him that said, yes, I'm that person. So we started uh, 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 emailing, and we even got each other's telephone numbers. Oh, wow. So we've been connected back. So. What other institutions have you been a part of that have kind of shaped who you are? Yes, ma'am. Hospital. Okay. Um, when I went through nursing, I even learned how to speak differently. Okay. But you learned to also think differently. Yep. And become less emotional at, at very emotional times. Yeah. And um, you, this leads into your other part of your life, too, also. Say, I'm sorry, say that again. It goes into other parts of your life, also. Yeah, sure. Take that with you. Yeah. Anyone else? Yes. I worked at Apple. Yeah. It was, it was a lot of fun, but it was also very challenging because you always had to like learn the technology and then kind of make it simplified when you talk to people. Mm -hmm. so you kind of had to lead learn out and it was an interesting way of doing it. Yeah. <clears throat> so. Yes. At International Paper, that part of our values is we had to, every day, every employee had to come up with some kind of safety improvement, even if it was unplug that cord, it's too far into the pick up that piece of paper, somebody could slip on it. And that just stayed with me so much that if I walk in Walmart and I see a piece of paper on the floor, I would go out of my way to pick it up because somebody could step on that. And yeah. It'll drop me nuts. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> and we have to ask the question, if, if there was no such thing as an institution, it was just kind of free-for-all everywhere, would, would, it, would it have shaped you in the way that you've been shaped? Institutions have had positive influences on us. Some have, have affected us negatively, right? Um, but institutions are a part of our, our culture, a part of our society. They shape us. We are a part of institutions that we are helping to shape as well. Um, and I think what the, and the important thing we have to understand is that there are two major institutions that we, sh that we are a part of as Christians. We are citizens of two institutions. We are citizens of the church, of God's kingdom, and we're citizens of our nation and our government, Okay. And there are two authorities in those two institutions, and there are certain rules by which we have to live to be a part of those institutions, okay? Um, so authority is really important. Uh, can you turn to Matthew 16? We're going to look at this passage. This is uh, helpful in understanding that um, We get this established. Matthew 16, we're looking at verse 19. Uh, actually, move over, move back a verse to 18. Uh, we have Jesus saying, And I tell you, you are Peter on this rock, I will build my church. So Jesus is establishing a new institution. And he is the authority over that institution because he says it's mine. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I, and then the owner of the institution, will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose in, on earth shall be loosed in heaven. There and then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Now you see a clear authority being given. Jesus is the authority. He creates an institution. The disciples are a part of this institution. They're members of it. He gives them a commission in this institution. So there is a bit of flexibility when it comes to this, what it means to use the keys. And we're going to talk more about that a little bit later. Well, you, know, you haven't probably didn't touched on the most important institution that we have, institution of marriage. Which was established by God. Established by God with rules and regulations. Rules and regulations. And that's, an, and, and, and that's one of the institutions that some of us are a part of. But that's not an institution that everyone will be a part of. But there is a clear owner, a clear authority, and there's a clear practices on a holiday. And one of the reasons why marriages are break down is because they reject, they reject the authority, and then therefore they reject the rules from that authority. Right? Uh, hence the whole issue with gay marriage. The problem with gay marriage is, is that it's not, it's not what mar marriage is between a man and a woman. 
So they've rejected the authority and then created their own rules. And so that's why we say that one of the reasons why the United States, the government, is having issues is because the primary and primary institution like the marriage is broken in America, therefore the government's broken. So um, these institutions are important, and it's important to identify the, the authority, the clear authority, and to follow clear rules and guidelines that that authority gives for those institutions to work well. Um, so again, when we see in Matthew 16, we have this loose group of people. We have the disciples. At one point, they were fishermen. At one point, there was a tax collector. They were just a loose assortment of people, right? And what has Christ done? He's brought them together and institutionalized them. He says, you're part of my church, and I will give keys to my kingdom to you. And what you bound on earth will be bound in heaven. What you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So, uh, so we see that this institution has been created and that, that, that we find that there's going to be principles, binding principles that they have to follow to be a part of this institution. Uh, so what is a political community? What makes an institution political? Uh, go ahead. Yes. So we're going to find out to make it political... It has to have a, a jurisdiction that extends to a certain group of people or to a membership of that institution. When we think about the government, its jurisdiction extends to the whole public, right? So if you live in the, the town of Cairoville, the jurisdiction of the, 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 the government of Cairoville are those who live in Cairoville. If you live in Germantown or North Mississippi, you're not a part of their jurisdiction, Right? You don't have to pay property tax to Kyerville. Some of you live in North Mississippi, so you don't have to pay Kyerville property tax, right? Right. It, it, would be, it would be against your jurisdiction to force you to pay property tax when you don't live in Kyerville, right? It'd be, it's, against, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an over, it's an abuse of their jurisdiction. They don't have that authority. Now, the county or the area you live in in North Mississippi... That's a, that's a whole other matter, right? You have to pay property tax to them. And they have to pay income tax, right? Um, now, if the county, if the county or immigration did not have income tax, it would be wrong of them to send you something in the mail to force you to pay income tax, right? So there's a certain jurisdiction that extends to the members of that, of that, of that group. Now, in the United States... If you're in a citizen of the United States, even if you're just living in the United States, not even a citizen, the U.S. government has jurisdiction over you, right? We talked about this a few weeks ago. You have to pay taxes to the U.S. government, right? You can't decide one day like Willie Nelson and say, I'm not going to pay them. There's a, there's, but there's a consequence. You can. They have, the, they have the authority to then coerce you into paying them, right? They throw you in jail. Huh? But the problem is, is that that's against the law. They're breaking the law. So, um, so the church represents the political institution of the kingdom of God. Christ is the king. Everyone owes their allegiance to him. Even if you're not a Christian, he's still the king. He's still the Lord. He's the Lord over the world. Um, now, we're not given the sword by God to enforce the worship. Right? We can't go to our neighbor and say, you have to go to church. If you don't, I'm going to throw you in jail. We don't, we don't have that power, do we? We can't force people to go to church. We can't force people to come to Wednesday night. We can't force them to go with a sword. We can persuade. We can declare um, for them to come, but we cannot force them with the sword. That's a Christian nation now. Say that again? That is a Christian nation. What's a Christian nation? That they, they cannot yeah. enforce, enforce yeah. Some, somebody to go to church. But now, if it's an Islamic nation, you can. Right. Their laws say that you, you have to be a part of their, um, their authorized religious body, right? But that's an interesting point because now it's two institutions that are kind of... Right. And that, that causes problems, right? It causes a lot of problems. Um, 
So we're, declare, we're, we're tasked to declare to the public who is king and why you should worship him. And we're, we are encouraged by Scripture to declare that, but we cannot use the sword, right? That's given to the government to use the sword to, to punish evildoers, to punish those who break the law, uh, and to protect the citizens, to protect the society. And so what a political community does, it creates an established unity among shared society, right? It creates a, an established unity uh, that we're not just individual people living in our homes doing whatever we want. What the government does is that it does create a unity, established unity in society, right? We share the same roads, right? We share the same air. We share the same water, we, we, a lot of us are sending our kids to the same schools. We go to the same grocery stores. We use the same police department. We have a lot of unity as a community because of the government brings us together and provides all these things for us, right? And that's actually a good thing. What if, what if I hired my own police department, right? And basically they only protected me, but you, you're on your own. That wouldn't be good, would it? No, but that has happened. But it's not good. No, it's not. It has <laughs> been good, but that has happened. That happened when the police got defunded, and um, which is not yeah. That's law. Like they basically created a harbored lawlessness, right? Yeah, they, yeah, and, and, and see, what was the impact of that? Well, are, you don't really have established yeah. unity, do you? So it's important for the government to coordinate ongoing social and economic interaction between people, right? That it provides marriage rights, it provides property rights, it provides civil rights, it provides voting rights, uh, it protects your business, right, from thefts or arson, right? Sharing because it does, of, yeah. If each of us had to build our own road, how expensive that would be! Yeah, and, and we wouldn't have the manpower or the tools, not everyone. And we wouldn't necessarily connect our roads together so that we can all, you know, use them. We'd only create roads for our own. Uh, this road's is for me, it's only for my cars, and it takes me to the destinations I want to go. You're on your own, creating your own roads to go to your own destinations. No, it, it brings those resources together, and it creates uh, an established unity, right? For us to some of these are some of these are voluntary, and some aren't. Like if I want to build my house right here, and it happens to be in Collierville, but I don't want to be part of an institution, I really don't have a choice. Right, you don't have a choice. Um, right, but there's certain codes by which you have to go about building, right? You can't just build like you, know, you live in a neighborhood, and you're like, well, I'm going to build my house. Like upside down, and it's going to look really freaky. Like you, you can't do that kind of stuff, right? Because that affects the people around you, right? So the government provides a certain fairness on that. Um, think about the church. The church also coordinates the rules and practices handed down by God to create institutional unity. So that we understand what baptism is, that you don't go and go, you know what, I'm just going to go baptize myself. You know, I can do whatever I want. Jesus says, you know, uh, go and make disciples and all that, baptize them. Well, I'm just going to go baptize myself and my family, and just, I'm just, that's what I'm going to do, right? What the church does is that it coordinates so that there's a unity on what we understand what baptism is, right? We're you, we're, it's coming from God's word, but we, are, we have a shared understanding of what baptism is, the Lord's Supper, what church membership is. And so... When we think about a political community, it's a community of people united by a common governing authority. So authority is really important when we talk about institutions, but also is membership of an institution. Basically, if you're a member of an institution, you're subject to that designated authority. So who is, so as a citizen of America, who is your designated authority? These people create the laws, they execute the laws, right? The executive 
branch of the US government executes the laws of our, of our government. Uh, you think about the Department of Agriculture. In and of itself, it has no authority. But, but part of, the, con but part of the, 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 the understanding of the executive branch of the government, it does have authority. It's associated authority or connected authority with the president. Um, so as individuals, we are subject to the governing authority. And therefore, we acknowledge that authority in some fashion, right? We acknowledge it. Taxes is how we acknowledge the authority, right? We pay taxes to the government because they have the authorized authority. We acknowledge that they're the government. We acknowledge that they have authority, and so we pay it, right? We recognize that if we don't pay it, there's a consequence, right? We'll go to, the, we'll go to jail. So what do we do? We pay it, right? We may not like it. We may not wish they would take it. But we pay it because we recognize that they're an author they are our authority, our, our designated authority. Um, and therefore, the government affirms you as one of its citizens, right? One of the things that we do every 10 years is do what? We do a census. Why do we do a census? It's by law and so that the government knows who its citizens are. It's also how they designate who, how many, how many each state, how much... Uh, uh, House of Representatives they have in, in Congress, right? It's, Where the money goes. Right. Also programs and things like that. So this is really important. Like, it, you're acknowledging it as the authority, and now they're acknowledging you as one of its citizens. And so we pay, we vote, and we are given the authority to vote because we're one of the citizens. That will change. That's the days of the Bible. It has, yeah. There's a government. A census. Right. So that they would know. And it's important it's important for a census. Again, again, again it, it goes both ways. Yes, yes, so they can tax us. But there's also a positive is they're recognizing that you're one of their citizens and their responsibility is to protect you. You may not feel that, but that is what's going on. Now, we don't live in a perfect world. Thankfully, Jesus knows us personally, and when we are in his kingdom for eternity, he will know us, and he will rule us very well and positive, right? But, but that is how this, this is how that relationship is supposed to work, that institution is supposed to work. We acknowledge them as the authority, and then they uh, identify us as their citizen. The same in the church. If you are a follower of Christ, you, you identify Christ as your Lord and King. He is, he is the authority. He commands you to be a part of the local church. He uh, designates offices in the church, pastors, elders, and deacons. You recognize that authority, right? Then the church recognizes you as one of the members of the church. And one of its, its important roles is to shepherd over you, Right? So there's that relationship going on. Identifying authority and, and then you being identified as one that they have to watch over as a member of that institution. So in our, kind of, in our world, we, we understand in America that there is a ruler, right? That we are being ruled, but that we are also the ruler, right? That's the uniqueness of America, is that we have a government, we recognize the government, but we also understand that we're the people, by the people and for the people, right? It's in our kind of DNA and our values. As an American, you're not just a subject of the government. Like, we're not a part of the British Empire who had a king or a queen and we were just subjects, right? In America, we recognize that there's an authority, but we're a part of that ruling, right? And that is common in kind of liberal governments where you don't just have subjects and a king. You have citizens who are a part of the ruling uh, process, right? We vote. Uh, there are some states that actually ask the citizens to vote on certain laws that are passed. Um, unfortunately, sometimes the courts overrule those, and that's not a good thing, like in California with gay marriage. Remember that they, they gave that as something for the citizens to vote on. They rejected gay marriage. And what did the courts do? They upheld it. But it, it does show you that in our process that it is common in certain contexts for the people to actually pass the laws. Like They actually say, here's the law. Do you want the law or not want the law? Right? 
So we're a part of the process. We also have an authority that rules over us. Um, and so we recognize that we are members of the political community. Uh, we recognize an authority. We recognize that, uh, that the, the government has to identify us as a part of their of their, of, their, of their community, of the institution, that they have to uh, protect the rights of the citizens. Um, but we also think about the church. It's also almost very similar. We are, we are slaves of God, right? We see this in Romans. We are, um, but we're also commissioned members of the kingdom of God, right? You think about um, different scriptures, right? You see the, the, the commands on, on what you should do and what you shouldn't do. But there's also passages of Scripture like Matthew 28, which is a commission, right? We are actually sent out as agents of the kingdom. We're not simply slaves or subjects. We're actually a part of the institution and have become actors in the institution. We become agents in the institution. We are given responsibilities in the institution, we're actually sent out to expand the institution. Does that make sense? So we have to think, when we think about reading the Bible, we have to think, how can we read the Bible institutionally? That seems kind of weird. But we see quite often in Scripture explanations on institutions. Again, if we're defining institutions based off there's a designated authority and then as members of that institution, we are required to live based off rules and principles. Again, go back to Deuteronomy 6. Clear authority, and there are clear rules and principles by which you had to live. Okay? So think of first off, God, is, God creates us in his image. We see God, he is a rule maker, isn't he? We see quite often in scripture where God sets a rule. Uh, Genesis chapter 2, clear example. That is a rule. They are not supposed to eat of that tree. That is a clear rule, and there's a clear designated authority. What happens? They break the rule. What happened after they broke the rule? There's a consequence. There was a clear institution in Genesis 2. There was a, there was a lord, there was a king, there was an authority, and there was a rule. They broke the rule, and there was a consequence for breaking the rule. To be a part of the citizens of the Garden of Eden, what they had to do was not eat of that tree. Because they didn't, didn't obey, they got judged, right? They got kicked out. The Ten Commandments. Clear rulemaking, right? Rules. Ten things, Right? You shall not do these things. You shall, um, you shall, uh, you shall honor your father and mother. Right? You shall keep the Sabbath holy. Right? These are rules. There's no flexibility in these. There are clear rules that have to be followed. And so we see this throughout Scripture that we see God setting rules. So it makes sense as God's image bearers that we would be rule makers. Right? that we would make rules, that we would organize institutions with authority and then clear expectations and obligations by which you have to follow, right? So what institutions does the scriptures describe? Um, we talked about Matthew 16, right? Turn over to Matthew 18, are there any questions so far? I'm kind of talking. Are there I'm, looking any... at, I'm looking at Matthew 17 where they ask Jesus and his disciples, are, are you going to pay the temple tax? Are you going to pay the temple tax, right? Yeah, and he says yes. There is a clear authority. Right. Caesar. You pay Caesar what is Caesar's. And then God, clear authority over here, pay God what is God's, right? So Jesus is not anti-institutional at all. So, looking at Matthew 18, verse 15. Can somebody read 15 through 20? But didn't he also have the, the uh, faith of having a dinara and a fish? Mm-hmm. He wouldn't pay the, the temple tax. Yeah. So, 
Can somebody read Matthew 18, 15 through 20? If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault, just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. But if he will not listen, take two or three others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen, then tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax how far? Uh, yeah, 18 and uh, 20. 18 through 20. That's all the 20. Mm-hmm. I will tell you the and what happens to those who break it? Right? There is a consequence. Now, there is a strategy or a process by which you are reconciled to that institution. But if you reject that institution, you reject that authority, you keep on rejecting those rules and principles, what happens? You're excommunicated. You're excommunicated. And then he even says right here, whatever you agree on earth, also they ask for it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Again, he, re- he uses... Whatever you bind on there shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on there shall be loosed in heaven. Same phrase as 16. He has given keys to the church. The church has been given authority. There is a there are boundaries that you must be that you must recognize. If you go beyond those boundaries, there is a consequence. If you do not reconcile with that institution, there's a consequence. The church is clearly an institution. It's not anti-institutional, and it actually is not good for the church to accept or embrace anti-institutionalism. Because take this passage, for example. What if it's like, there are no obligations. There are no authorities. Just come as you are. Belong before you believe. Come on, come on. Take this passage. What happens? Oh, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah, you, you send. No big deal. All is forgiven. No big deal. There's no consequences, no boundaries, no rules and principles. There is a consequence for that. That is true. But he's not recognizing it as a sin. As you said it, that is true. But he's not recognizing it as. But what the issue is, even when we get to 1 Corinthians as well, we had an individual who sinned, and the church didn't care. You have no structure. You don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. What's going on? Mm-hmm. That's the consequence of, being, of permissiveness. Mm-hmm. But the church is being being um, is the church is there for a reason to be the keys that, to hold the keys of the kingdom, and ought to communicate and declare that there is an authority, and there are rules and principles by which you have to be a follower to be a part of the church. To be a part of the church. Government has authority and has rules. The church has authority and has rules. It's actually for your good because if you, you know, think about judges, like everybody did what was right in his own eyes, and it, that's not even good for us. Right. I mean, you know, the, the rules are there. God says things because he cares about us. He does. I'm not going to get long. But yeah, but the, there's, there is protection. I mean, even the pastors, I mean, the church... Is is like a is like a mother to protect, right, and to guard. Pastors ought to shepherd the flock. Protection. What happens Awareness. When the institution begins to like go astray. Like people in the past, like we were referred to church basically back then as more or less what we consider Catholicism, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you go through all these things, that there's like we have authority, we can do what we want, right? And then you have churches that break apart. Because they don't believe in that. Mm-hmm. Where does the universal concept of the church filter in in that like situation? Yeah, it's 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 they were not teaching that salvation was by faith alone in Christ, right? They were adding all these other layers, right? And so Luther provided grievances 
and said, you're going against scripture. And then they excommunicated him, right? And kicked him out of the church. Um, and, and so which led to the creation of Lutheranism and Protestant churches and these type of things. Oh, yeah. I mean, only by the grace of God that he you know, died in old age and didn't die on a stick, right? Um, while others did. And I think what Luther did was proper and good. Um, and there is wisdom that goes into, like, you, there are clear wrongs being done from an institutional standpoint. Like, from, let's see from a, a church who is not, not preaching God's word, which is the point of the church, right? To be creatures of the word, those who have been saved by Christ, those who have been redeemed by Christ and, 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 and dwelt with the Holy Spirit, and they come together as, as one people to worship their Savior and Lord, right? And they declare that Christ is King and that they are creatures of the Word. When they don't live by that, that's a clear violation of their creed. And so it's on us as members of that community to what speak up against that, right? Well, I think that's what Luther did. As a member of that community, he spoke against it. And so I think if, if you're a member of Central Church and you notice that the pastors and elders here are not preaching the word of God, they're not, they're not following God's word, they're not models of godliness, it is your responsibility to speak up. It is your responsibility to speak up as members of, that, of this community. And you are given that authority to do so as members of the church. Does that, that, uh, that help? Also the, um, I'm sorry. Is that also of our, our government, though? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I know... And I you do have that right to do that, to speak up against it. I, I forgot who it was. That, yeah, civil disobedience, yeah. Who was it? Uh, I was just saying civil disobedience, yeah. potentially, if you have unjust laws. Like what Martin Luther King did with the Birmingham letter, what they were, those were unjust laws. Hence why they went against them, right? Because they were basically saying that blacks didn't have the same rights as whites. That was an unjust law. And so he was put in jail for doing stuff that white people were able to do. And that was an unjust law. So he was justified by breaking that law. Um, but you were, are you referring to something else? No, it's really the same thing. But oh, I know the federal government, I know that it was somebody, one of these famous guys, that said it was our duty to, to guard against like, anarchy and stuff and to hold them accountable. It was, like, I don't know when we got, we Yeah, there's processes by which to do that, and there's last resorts. These are all part of, of wisdom, but go ahead, ma'am. It just seems like today so many of our churches are, are teaching, preaching social. Yes. And then, again, if they're not preaching, yeah, if they're not preaching the gospel, you're saved by Christ alone. The power of salvation is in Christ alone. If that's not a common thing that they teach and preach, and that, that's what brings us together, that's clearly biblically wrong, and you should speak against it until you get to a point where you're basically, I'm, push, I'm basically slamming my head against the wall. I'm making no difference. God is basically calling me to, to abandon this and go be a part of another church. But many people are preaching that, but they're not, they're going off with LGBT stuff. And Which is clearly against, let me, let me, look, you have other questions, let's ask, I'm about to, I'm about to run out of time, and I want to get to something pretty important. Uh, let me quickly, let me quickly say some things. First off, like the, the, the part about missions, let's talk about missions for a second. Um, when we talk about like, why go and make disciples, or why bring the gospel to the, to the nations? We recognize something pretty important that we have an authority, that authority has a mission, that his name is known among the nations, so therefore we go. As members of that community who has a Lord and God who desires to be worshipped and known across the earth. So even in our understanding of missions and evangelism, it's coming from an institutional understanding that we have a clear authority who has a mission, and as people of that community and of that institution, we go. Does that make sense? Um, let, me, let me mention a few quick things uh, about a biblical worldview, uh, just to help you understand uh, with our activity, part of, uh, part of the citizenship of, 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 the, of the nation, but also being a citizen of, of, of the church. God created everything. 
God reveals himself and his moral standard through his word. Uh, the original creation was very good in every way. There is moral evil in the hearts of every human being, but there is a moral standard outside of humanity. We do not set the standard of morality. God does. There, and humans are responsible for their actions. There is, there is a, so basically you can't blame all your actions on, well, that's the environment I live in. It's, it's, the, it's people outside of me that have forced me to do these things. It's the issue, sin is, is in our hearts, and we are responsible um, as, as creatures in God's creation for our actions. And people are sinful by nature and have a tendency to do evil things, hence why the creation of governments, to protect citizens from evil. We would have no need for government if there was no sin. There is no government establishment in Genesis 2. I mean, God's the Lord, but there's no, like, parliament or prime minister or courts. You start seeing that after Genesis 3. Because human nature, sinful nature, we are tend to evil, Abel, Cain and Abel, right? Because of what Cain did to Abel, we need some organization, some entity to protect us from one another. Because we have a tendency to kill one another. Um, God placed a curse on the entire world. God creates a curse on the entire world. Hence why we have to build levees and dams and other things to protect us from nature. Not only do we need protection from one another, we need protection from nature itself. And that's why we build the things that we build. And that's why we, we construct the things that we construct. And then God has called us to develop the earth resources and use them wisely and joyfully. Uh, Genesis 1, we see subdue and have dominion over the earth. Um, and so when we think about what we ought to do as, as subduers um, and those who have dominion over the earth, is how do we use resources in God's earth to uh, build society, to, to, build, to produce food, to sell things, um, to share resources. These are all part of God's intentions when he created us to be subduers and those who have dominion over the earth. Uh, like something like Wi-Fi, right? Well, well, us subduing and using resources, we have created Wi-Fi for us to be able to communicate with each other more easily, right? For us to be able to relate with each other more easily. For us to be able to share information more easily, Okay. These are our part of us being subduers and having dominion over the earth. Any questions about any of that? I want to end with this important thing because I think it's important that we think about um, fixed and flexible. Um, we see in Scripture that there is there are things that are prescribed, that are commanded, right? We are commanded uh, not to commit adultery, right? It's a clear command. We are commanded uh, to, to honor our government. We are commanded uh, to not lie. Right? There's other things that we're commanded to do in Scripture. There are other things that we have some freedom in. There's some flexibility. And we have to be careful, and we have to distinguish what things are prescribed and what things are their flexibility. Right? What are things that are descriptions that basically God has provided us some freedom uh, to make some discretions on things um, and to not to hold things, some things very strongly, but to hold other things very loosely. Um, when we think about the institutions that we're a part of, there are certain things that are clearly designated that are fixed, right? We can't murder our fellow citizens, right? We can't do that. It's a fixed thing. And there are other things that are far more flexible, Right? Uh, for example, um, we have different opinions, most likely, on um, foreign policy, potentially, in this room. Some of us may think we should not support Ukraine. Some of you think we should support Ukraine, and you have reasons for your issues. Let me argue, is there any biblical command in Scripture to any of that, to the view that you have on Ukraine? There isn't. Is, anyone want to make, you're welcome to make an argument. I'll, I'll definitely listen. Is there anywhere in Scripture that commands that we should support Ukraine? I shall not kill. <laughs> but you're not killing anyone. No, that's the government. I mean, that's the, Rus that's the Russian and Ukrainian thing, right? That's not something. But we're sending money, aren't we? 
We are sending money. To buy stuff too. To support those who have been invaded by another force. Right? So you can, again, we can have an argument. Yeah. And you can have a point and I can have points. But nowhere can we say in Scripture that it's fixed that we're supposed to support Ukraine. Correct? There's a flexibility there. So we need to hold that loosely. Not firmly. <laughs> that helps, though, in our institutional understandings. If I say, well, because you won't support Ukraine, I'm kicking you out of the church. <laughs> you got to get out. I think it's Genesis 15. <laughs> Very funny. But so it's important for us to understand what are the fixed things a part of our institution that we can't budge on. If you were to argue, well, you could have, you can have, you can believe in Allah and be part of the church, and you could believe that that's not true. It's okay. We're gonna hold that loosely. No, you cannot hold that loosely. That's a pretty fixed thing. Salvation is through Christ alone, by faith alone, right? Not through Allah also. You get to how, and even in the church, and how we need to hold things loosely and hold things more tightly. Um, are there any questions on anything that you'd like to ask? We're out of time, so. So, really, you can't. Actually, if you don't have any children, you're welcome to hang around as long as you want. Justin would like for you to go pick up your kids. <laughs> Yes. Let me let me pray, and then um, I'll uh, let ask some questions. There's are people I have to leave. I need to leave. Let me uh, let me pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for our time, Lord. We uh, as we think, Lord, um, about some important truth here is that we are um, clearly a part of an institution, and we have a co- a clear Lord, which is you. And your word, Lord, is very clear in how we ought to live our lives. And Lord, we pray that we would acknowledge you as Lord and King, and Lord, that we would live according to your word, and recognize, as, as I think Ms. Vicky said, Lord, that it's for our protection. We don't want to worship gods who can't hear us or gods that can't, uh, who can't speak to us, Lord. We do not want to worship gods that cannot protect us or cannot provide us life and, and provide for us, Lord. We want to worship the one true God, the creator of everything, the Lord over everything, the one who provides salvation through his Son, the one who is sending his son to come back again and is renewing this earth in, in every way uh, and reconciling the world to himself, Lord. And Lord, we pray, Lord, that we would live according to your word. Um, and as a church, Lord, that we would call people to live according to your word. Um, Lord, that we would clearly state what it means to be a part of your church, which is faith in Christ alone, and that those who follow you uh, follow your word. And if they commit sins, Lord, that they are quick to repent of those sins, Lord, and, and quick to, to recognize the, their sinful hearts and, and recognize that the church has provided for their, for their accountability, but also to love them and to correct them and to teach them and to rebuke them, but for their own betterment, Lord. Uh, we all need to grow closer to you and com- be conformed into the image of Christ. And we know that the Spirit is doing that, but to use the church and the preaching and the teaching of your word and the fellowship and prayer Uh, to mold us and shape us, Lord. We praise you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to Lesson 3, What is an Institution at our Church and Politics class. If you're interested in more information about Central Church, you can check us out at centralchurch.com to learn more about our ministries and our classes. And we hope to see you back.